Okay, what I want to do today is um, look at <coughs> some Greek words. A few of them you may be familiar with, <coughs> but they're all basically translated by one or two English words, maybe three English words in the Bible. And I actually want to go to Romans 8, but we can't go there yet because what I want to show you, you have to have some understanding, a little bit of understanding of some of these Greek words. Now, how many have heard of parousia or ekamai? Okay, <clears throat> the first word here, the first word is ekomai, and that's translated come or coming, cometh. Uh, it's a very, very broad term. And what I want to do for, for the first three, there's four words. And there's a reason why I'm doing this. Apocalypsis is the word I want to look at because that's the word in Romans 8 that I want to show you. This word here is a, a very broad term. And I'll give you some scriptures here related to the term. I don't know if anybody's going to write this down or not, but this is 2064 in the Strong's. And uh, it has a very broad application. It means to come or to come into, or it can mean to go. And Jesus said this, I am come, and that's the word, erkamai, to call the righteous. So there was a coming by him when he came to earth, when he walked around in his ministry to the people. Uh, I have not come to destroy the law. Uh, that's not the purpose of my coming, Erkomai. When he was come into his own country, and then the scripture goes on. Uh, and then it refers to, look at John, let's turn to John 14 to start. And like I said, there's four words here. And in the English, when you use the word come or coming, that basically uh, is meaning, it's, it's, it's a broad term too, but you're coming, and that, that's the end of it. It's a, it's, a, it's a word that doesn't really tell you certain things about the situation there, you're, what you're coming, the coming, that doesn't tell you much, doesn't give you much. But when you start to look at some of these Greek words, and especially when you come down to apocalypsis, or apocalypso, whatever, then there's something else in view that when I looked at this, I thought this is very interesting, and it's something that you would not see at all in the English reading of any verse. And um, in John 14, this is related to... Christ's invisible coming, if you want to say it that way. That's the best way I could say it. John 14, 18. I will not leave you comfortless, but I will come to you. So he's talking about later on, whenever the Holy Spirit was sent, that Jesus said, I will come unto you. So that's an invisible coming in the form of the Holy Spirit. In verse 23... Uh, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word, and my Father will love him, and we will come. So you have 
this invisible coming of the Father and Jesus Christ, we will come and make our abode or our home with them or with you. So that's erkomai. It's a very broad application. It can mean to come from one place into another, to make one's appearance, or it can mean to come into a certain state or condition, which is another thing that I didn't want to get sidetracked with that. I wanted to actually bring some scriptures, but I decided not to because it just takes too, too long. And two more examples of this word, erkomai, is uh, Matthew 7. Uh, turn to Matthew 3. But I have this written down here, and I want to read it. In Matthew 3, that's a very common verse we know. But in Matthew 7, it says, And the rains descend, and this is talking about uh, the individual who builds his house either on the sand or on the solid rock. He says that, And the rains descended, and the floods came. So it, it, the word came again is not necessarily meaning of an individual. It could mean a, of some inanimate object. The, the floods came, and the winds blew, and so forth. And in Matthew 3.11 this is John the Baptist speaking. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me, and that's the word, coming, is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry or unlatch. So that's basically, uh, here John is saying that he who comes, meaning Jesus, he who is going to appear, make an appearance after me, I'm not worthy to you know, untie his his shoelaces. So that's this word. Okay, now the second word is this. Epiphania. And that's where we get, I believe, the word epiphany. That's a Greek word. A lot of the words we have in English are Latin and Greek-based. Uh, epiphania. Now this word... I believe it's only used by Paul. If you would look at that word in the Strong's, um, it's 2015. If you were to look at that, you'll only see that in the Pauline epistles. Nowhere else is the only one that uses this word. Now, it's interesting is Epiphania. Then the next one we're going to look at is we're going to stay with this for a minute or two. Then you have the, the word Parousia. And then you have the word apocalypsis or apocalyptus. Those three words all relate to the coming of Jesus Christ in some way or form. The first coming, the second coming, you know, and, and any of the comings. It's, it's usually those three are related to the coming of the Lord. Second, second coming and some to the first coming or both. Okay. Now, this word here, epiphanio, is translated in the English as appearing or brightness. Okay? Uh, it means to appear. I'm, I'm not going to write that down. I could have wrote the other one, come, coming, but you can write it down if you want. To appear, to shine over, to shine upon, to give light to. Okay, now, in 2 Timothy, let's turn there. See, whenever you read the English, 
there is no way for you to tell which one of these Greek words is being used. So it's going to translate. It's not like the translator said, okay, for apocalypsis, we're always going to use the word manifestation or revelation. And then for parousia, we're going to use another word. And then for the other Greek word, we're going to use a different English word. They didn't do that. Whatever fit best in that particular sentence in English is the word that they translated. So there's no way for us to tell when, by reading the English Bible what Greek word is being used. And you may say, well, it doesn't really matter because it's pretty general, and that may be true. But whenever you come to the word apocalypsis, and I want to show you this in a little bit, there is one element there that is extremely important and different than all the other words, and it adds a different dimension to the verse. It, it makes you see something there that, I mean, if we knew Greek, and we spoke Greek, and we would use that word, we would understand the nuance of the word. But we're using an English word from the Bible that's translate, translating that particular Greek word, and that Greek word is, for us, we don't, we don't understand it, we don't see it, we're just relating in our mind to what we're reading in the English word. You understand? Okay. In 2 Timothy 1, now this is related to Christ's first coming, coming uh, to appear. Um, 2 Timothy 1.10. But has now been revealed by the appearing, that's the word, um, epiphania, the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. So this is an appearance that the Lord made uh, when he was on earth in his, his ministry. And Paul's telling Timothy that, that what's related to this epiphany uh, or epiphania, this uh, revelation appearing. Uh, anybody else have another translation? Does it use another word? By the appearings that everybody has appearing of Jesus Christ? Okay. And so this is related here to the first coming of Christ. Now the same word, if you turn to 2 Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 8, and I'll read this from uh, the New King James and then also the Amplified. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy the brightness of his coming. Um, and I think that's how the King James reads the last part of that verse, shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Now this word... Um, epiphania is translated in this verse as brightness. See, so there's no you know, way you can tell from verse to verse what, it, what Greek word is being used, but that's the one. It's epiphania. Um, and in the um, Amplified, it says, And then the lawless one, the Antichrist, will be revealed, and the Lord Jesus will slay him with the breath of his mouth and bring him to an end by the epiphania, or the appearing of his coming. So if you have another word, it's a I think it's a derivative of this epiphany. It's epiphanio. 
And that refers to um, his appearance to mankind. See, so you have words that are derivatives of other words that mean basically the same, like we would conjugate a verb in English, and it, it, most of the time it may put the, the verb in a different tense, but the word itself basically means the same. And, and same with this word here and other words in Greek. The epiphania, or, or the epiphania, uh, how's that pronounced? Um, Epiphano, epiphano, uh, would be his appearing to man, as he did when he was walking the earth, okay? All right, now let's go to the next one. Now, this one here is used the most of all of these Greek words, and then the fourth one, Apocalypsis, that's used like six times less than this, but this one's used the most. And again, it's translated as coming in the English Bible, just like this one is, Irkomai. Perusia is translated coming, and um, it means it's 3952. Does anybody here use the Strong's Concordance ever? A few of you, okay. It means to bring near, it means presence. Uh, Vine says it denotes both an arrival and a consequent presence with, or a coming or uh, an arrival. Now, let's look at a couple of those verses, and uh, this mainly relates, now, I didn't look at every single one in of all these in all their contexts, but it would take me weeks. But this mainly is dealing with the second coming of Christ, as I, as I see it here. Uh, let's go to Matthew 24. Matthew 24, verse 27. Whereas the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So he's talking about a second coming, and the word there is parousia, also will the coming, the parousia of the Son of Man be. So this is talking about the second coming. And uh, turn to James 5, and I'm going to read a verse from Thessalonians. Okay, first, first Thessalonians 4.15 says, For this we say to you by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord, the parousia of the Lord, will by no means precede those who are asleep or those who have died. So once again, that word is relating to the second coming of, of Christ, the, the parousia. And if you ever hear anybody use the word parousia uh, in any type of teaching, normally they're talking about the second coming of Christ. Okay, now in James, I think this is twice in here. James 5, verse 7. Now, one of the things that, and I didn't really look at this when I was um, looking at these verses. Many times, you know, people relate everything to the future. And 
many of these scriptures are written in that way. But there is a coming of the Lord to the Christian, and I have no idea what particular word would, um, would be translated for that. Probably parousia. But see, that's so ingrained in Christians' thinking as, as the second coming of Christ because it's laid in a lot of the scriptures that way. So it would take a, a little different view of the verse to see something else. Now in verse 7, Therefore be patient, brethren, until the parousia of the Lord, to the coming of the Lord. Um, that's, uh, that's a present, I think it's a present participle, it's a present tense verb, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, waiting patiently until it receives the early and the latter rain. So, in now this here, I believe, can be applied to uh, the Lord coming to you and I as believers. But the actual context there is most likely related to the second coming. But we do know that as Christians, the Lord does come to us for various reasons. And he waits for the precious fruit in your life. You know, certain things to be developed. And so he, he will give you, so to speak, in your life, in your spirit, uh, in your walk. He will give you the early and the latter rain. What's the purpose behind the early and the latter rain in, in the natural? What, what's the purpose? The purpose is for growth. And so there is a growth that is to occur with you and I as Christians. And so the Lord will send the early and the latter rain. Okay, so that's one application of this. Um, and also, because the word parousia, parousia is used here, uh, it's, it has application to the actual, literal coming, second coming of the Lord. You also be patient, establish your hearts, for the parousia, the coming of the Lord, is at hand. See? So now this word here, this is much more defined than erkomai. This word here is a general term um, used, you know, to des describe all these different things that go on, coming, going, and all this stuff. Okay, but now when you come down here, when you look at parousia, now that word is narrowing something down for you. That word is telling you now there's something going on here. There's, there's a coming. There is, there is a being near. There is a nearness. There's, a, there's going to be a coming. Okay, now the last word, which I mentioned quite a bit here, apocalypsis, and I know the number to this. I looked at it in enough. Is 602 in the Strong's. Now, this is the one, if you want to write anything down in this class, this is, this is what you should, should write down in, in a minute, I'll tell you. This word means, or it's translated in the English, coming, appearing, revelation, manifestation. That's this word here. Okay. Apocalypsis means 
unveiling to take the cover off and uncovering a manifestation or an appearance. Now this word here, apocalypsis, is, is a grander word. It's a more comprehensive word, and you'll see that now. Now this is, if you want to write something down, write this down. This word has in view not only the things seen, but the interpretation or the unveiling of the thing seen. So you have a, um, an appearing. Let's, let's do it this way. So if, if there was a wall here and you couldn't see me, and I would walk from behind the wall, there would be an appearing. I would appear, right? That's, that's this word. Also, this word means now that there is an interpretation of what is being seen. It's just not a viewing of it, just now, uh, like parousia, it's just a coming. This is an appearance, and you see this in, in the translation. It says coming, appearing, but when you get to the word revelation and manifestation, see, that should tell us that there is a, an opening of it, there is an interpretation of now what is seen. So that's why this, this word is very important, because it's not just what is seen or who is seen. Now there is an interpretation of that available. That's why it's important. Okay. Now let's look at Luke chapter 2. I want to give you an example of this before we get the Romans here. Now, anybody have any questions about this? I tried to do this methodically so we could, could see this. Luke 2, verse 25. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name, a surname, no, whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he, he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple, and when the, parent, the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all the peoples. A light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. This, uh, this is apocalypsis. So Simeon saw the appearing of the Lord as a child before him. The apocalypsis. So he saw the, the physical thing with his eye, the appearing of the Lord. But now he has the interpretation of the appearing, and that is um, that, that you have been prepared be before for the, um, the face of all, all the people to light, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of, of, of your people Israel. So he sees the interpretation, the apocalypsis. So, so both things there are moving. Okay, now let's go to... Um, Romans 16. 
So you have the apocalypsis, you have the thing seen here, which, or the, the person seen, which is Jesus, and then you have the unveiling of him to this man, Simeon. And, and then, of course, you have the unveiling uh, to the people of Israel. And then you have the unveiling uh, to the Gentiles. As you know, um, we'll see this in a minute. Hold your place in Romans 16 and go to Ephesians 3. I just want to stay with this point for a minute. So this word again here in Luke 2, you have the appearing of the Lord as a child. His parents bring him in. And Simeon, he sees, it's apocalypsis, it's the word. He sees the appearing and he has the manifestation, the interpretation of what he sees. Now, this is also here in Galatians, or excuse me, Ephesians 3, 1, and 1 through 3. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus for you Gentiles, if indeed you have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given to me for you, how that by revelation he made known to me the mystery as I have briefly written already. So the mystery or um, the interpretation of this thing with the Gentiles was given to Paul so he, he, he saw it, and he saw the interpretation of it. Remember when he's, it's, it talks about him in the book of Acts. Uh, Cornelius goes to him. Okay, so he has those. And, and with that apocalypsis, this revelation, the interpretation, now he is sent to the Gentiles to preach Christ to them, just as Simeon saw. He saw the, the apocalypsis, he saw the appearing of the Lord, and he saw the interpretation of what he saw. See, we can see things, but that does not necessarily mean that we have the interpretation of what we see. You can sit here and listen to preaching and teaching, but that does not, not mean that, that you have the interpretation of some particular thing in spirit. You might have something up here, or you may even re receive it in here but you may not have the interpretation of that. Now, in uh, Romans 16, verse 25, Now to him who is able to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery, see the unveiling of the mystery, kept secret since the world began. Well, what secret is that? Well, the secret of the gospel, the secret of God bringing in the Gentiles in particular. So, there is, with the Lord, many times this appearing. Now, the Lord can appear in many different ways. And when we think of that, we think of some visual thing, uh, some tangible thing. But the Lord can appear in many ways. He can appear to you, and I believe that many times this is an apocalypsis for us. It is 
an appearing and the interpretation of the appearing to you personally. So he comes to you and he says, you know, what about this here? Why are you acting like that? And, and all of a sudden you see, you know, you, you not only, you know, the Lord points that out, you, not, you just don't see that. Now you have the interpretation of what you're seeing. Are you following me? So the Lord may come, and I don't really know what example to even give, but let's say, we'll, we'll kind of bring this down some. Let's say that you're at work, or you're around people, not necessarily at work, and if something happens and you have this attitude toward another individual, and you may be totally oblivious to your attitude at work or whatever, wherever, to somebody. So you don't see it. I don't see it. Somebody else might see it. Somebody else might be on the receiving end of that. But as far as are seeing it, you know, we're blind to it. So the Lord comes, uh, he has this appearing to you, he opens your eyes, he comes to you in some way uh, through the Holy Spirit, maybe through your reading the Bible. You know, that's a common way for the Lord to open up your eyes and give you, to, for you to see something and then give you the interpretation of what you're seeing. Not necessarily a textual interpretation, but it may be related to your personal life. So here you have this attitude, and you're looking at, uh, at the person, and you don't think you have an attitude. And so the Lord comes in whatever way he comes, and now he's showing you that you have this attitude, and you don't see it, but as you, he continues to deal with you, now he opens your eyes and you have the interpretation of the reason he came. And now you see, oh, I have an attitude toward this individual, my coworker. So that, that's just one example. You know, there are so many things we do not see. And, you know, that's why I believe we must depend upon the Holy Spirit in our lives to help us. Because we are really blind. I am, there's things... I'm oblivious to until he comes and he shows me it. Uh, you know, it's almost like you, know, you have a young child, and you know, a young child, they're all happy going their own way, doing their own thing, and they're really oblivious to certain things. They, they don't see certain things. So you see him as the parent, and so at a point in time, you have to come, and you come to them. There's an appearing to the child, and now you're going to give them the interpretation. Now, hopefully they'll see it and they, they know the interpretation and then they can, can, can move on. See, but that's not so much unlike the Lord with us. See, he comes in his way. And then apocalypsis is the, just the interpretation of why he's appearing. See, there's two things going on. And it's very important, the second, the interpretation of it. So let me ask you this. How many people today really understand that God reached out to the Gentiles and he cut off Israel and he engrafted the Gentiles? See, that thing's basically hidden. It's hidden. And it's lost on, on people. They have no idea. Well, let's go back one step further. 
And look at how many people uh, who have maybe heard preaching, teaching, heard the gospel, but they, they don't understand what this new birth is. They've never experienced it. And so they're on the outside, and, and that thing, there, there's an appearance of the gospel, but there's no interpretation of it for their own life because they have not come to the Lord. So even initially for us, there was an appearing of the Lord to me through his word being shared with me related to the gospel before I was a Christian. So there was a coming to me. And then the interpretation came and I saw it. It's like it opened up and I received Christ. And so it's extremely important for us to walk with the Lord to allow him to put these things together, because apart from him, we will never see a lot of things. We won't see them. Yeah, we're Christians. Yeah, we'll go to heaven. Yeah, we can live for God. But see, there are things that are hidden that he wants to take the lid off of to show you. Now, let's go to Romans 8. As I was looking at this word, this verse here, Actually, I, I was looking at the word apocalypsis. I wasn't looking at the other ones. <laughs> I was looking at that word. And then I'm looking in Romans 8, and I started to see something. So I, I went back and started to look at these different words, because to get here in this verse, you have to understand what this word means, to have some basic understanding of it. Uh, and it's nice to see how these other words are used, because, like I said, we read the verses, and we have no idea what's going on. We just, just kind of float through it, and, and we have no pinpoint accurate type of thing there that we can understand this is what this is meaning. We just kind of just go with the English word and interpret it ourselves in our, you know, in our mind. So now in Romans 8, verse 19, for the earnest expectation of of the creature waiteth for the manifestation of the sons of God. The New King James says it this way, and it's very, very similar. For the earnest expectation of the creation, the creature there means creation, eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. So one version uses manifestation, the other version uses revealing. But the, the, both is interpreting the word apocalypsis here. So what, what's going on with this uh, manifestation or revealing? What's going on with apocalypsis? There's the thing seen, and then what? The interpretation of what is being seen. Okay. So... Um, the word in the uh, King James creature, New King James creation, the word uh, is used for what is created. It can mean the hearts of men, it can mean plants, it can mean animals, or whatever. The earnest expectation, we'll get to that in a second, but anyway, there, there is a creation here, uh, and we'll relate it to this. Men, animals, and plants. I don't know about the rest of creation. 
I don't have understanding for any of that. I have no idea. But it says here that the earnest expectation, and that means that there's an intense anticipation of creation, earnestly waiting for the apocalypsis of the sons of God. Now, whenever you read on in this, these verses here, one of the things you'll see in verse 23, it talks about waiting for the adoption, the redemption of the body. That, I believe, is related to the resurrection, related to the coming, second coming of the Lord. And what most people will do is they will lump verse, what they're saying, reading here, what it's saying in verse 19, down through verse 23, and saying, verse 19 is talking about the redemption of the body. But, remember, there very well may be, in this verse, a manifestation or a revelation of the sons of God before the actual coming of the Lord, the second coming. And the reason I say that is because he uses the word for sons. He, that's the word euios. It's not the word technon. Technon means child. So there is a development here. Uh, there is a, a maturity here. And, and there's going to be a manifestation of the mature ones of God. So you have the apocalypsis, the sons of God, the daughters of God, and then the interpretation of that. Now, as I said before, just because there's an interpretation does not necessarily mean that everyone will see the interpretation. They will not understand it. You know, with the Gentiles, that is a revelation, but not all understand that. So here... You know, what, what's Paul talking about? Okay, is he talking about the mature ones? Is he talking about the ones who the Lord prepares? Because remember, when you go to the, the ten virgins, it says that five were wise, five were foolish, and then it says that when the Lord came, that those who were what went in with him? Prepared. See, so, so there is a prepared one or ones before the coming of the Lord. And in uh, Peter, it says, elect according to the foreknowledge of God. And he goes on, he says, let me read it. So I don't want to quote it. Who are kept, he's talking about the elect, who are kept by or in the power of God, through faith. Now, when he says kept, he's talking about the elect. If you go back, this is 1 Peter 1.5. You go back to verse 2, he's talking about the elect. Those who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready. The ready there is singular feminine. And it's, I believe it's talking about a prepared one, and that prepared one is the pride of Christ. So, going back to Romans 8.19, the revealing or the apocalypsis of the sons of God, I believe, will take place before 
the second coming of Christ. So what, what's he after here now for us? He's after you and I being prepared. And we are to be the elect who are prepared for the Lord. And this here is going to be the, the manifestation or the revelation or the apocalypse, or there will be uh, a, a viewing or a, see, a seeing and appearing of those prepared and the interpretation of that. So they're, they're, as, as I'm seeing it, I believe this, this is, it doesn't spell this out. Paul doesn't spell things out. But it seems to me that the Lord here is, is preparing those who will be ready to be the manifestation of the sons of God to whomever, to those who are not sons of God, to those who are not mature, whatever, so that some would see and understand the interpretation of that. And by seeing and understanding the interpretation of that, that they would be drawn into the process to, to be made, to, to be prepared, to be, you know, whatever, whatever, to be ready, to be ready for the parousia, the second coming of the Lord. So it's, it's not like the, the, uh, the virgins in Matthew 25. It's not like the five wise virgins were, were ready instantly when the Lord came back. No, they were prepared before. You know that, right? They're prepared before the Lord comes. That's why they go in with him and the door shut. So there, there has to be a preparation before the parousia. Now, this is pretty heavy for you today, isn't it? <laughs> Maybe you can get it, listen to it again. But there has to be a prepared one, the church, the bride. That has to be done before the parousia, before the Lord comes back. The second time. He's coming back for a church without spot or wrinkle or any such thing. So there must be a, a preparation there. What's going on now toward the end when you have this preparation? Well, let's read. For the earnest expectation of creation waits for the re revelation or the manifestation or the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subject to futility, to vanity, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption. So all creation was subject to corruption because of the fall of Adam and Eve, because of sin. Sin changed the animals. Sin changed the plants. Sin changed everything. The animals... The birds, they all sing in the minor key. The major key is the happy chord. The minor key is a sad chord, is how they describe it. All creation sings in the minor key. And scientists believe that plants give off sound, by the way. I mean, that fits in with what Paul said years ago. So, you know, all creation is waiting to be delivered from the bondage of corruption. 
You know, so you see animals, they, they kill each other. And, and you, know, all, you know, there's coming a time when the lion will, will lay down next to the lamb. So that, all that, how it was affected, will be changed again. And, and it says here, because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pains together until now. So there, there is a groaning in creation for the manifestation of the sons of God, the manifestation of the prepared ones. Not only that, but we also, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we groan, we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting for the uh, adoption the redemption of our body. So there's a lot going on, even in creation, that we're totally unaware of. I mean, I, I watched something three or four weeks ago. I think Linda and I were, were watching something on, on TV dealing with nature on Nova or some, one of those stations. And they were talking about plants, and they showed the experiments that they did with plants, and it was, it was unbelievable. But they showed systematically how they did it, and they said when, when a plant's in, under attack by a certain bug, uh, this was somewhere in the Plain States, I believe, that the plant leaves off this, I, I don't remember if it was a sound or a, um, an odor, that attracts another bug that's a, um, that will come and, and try to kill the bug or kill the bug that's, that's uh, distressing the plant. I thought, man, oh man, there's so much we don't know about creation. And so when Paul says years ago that all creation groaneth, it's waiting, we just think that's, you know, I don't know what we think, but you know, there's more to this than we think, than we know even. And science now, 2,000 some years later, is just learning some of these things about, about creation that the Lord showed Paul years and years and years ago. So the point I want to leave you with is that, verse 19, for the earnest expectation of the creation earnestly waits for the apocalypsis of the sons of God. The prepared ones, those who will appear and bring with them the interpretation of that appearing because the Lord has worked in their lives to show that thing forth so that others possibly can be readied for the parousia when the Lord, second coming when the Lord comes back. And so it's a great privilege for us today uh, to have opportunity for the Lord to work in our lives to make us a, a part of this to make us a part of some things that have been hidden from age to age, but now have been revealed to you and I by the Spirit of God. Great privilege. You know, may we allow the Lord to work in our lives and prepare us for His coming.